Our scripture lesson tonight is 1 Corinthians chapter 15. They're reading verses 20 through 28. 1 Corinthians 15 is sometimes known as the great resurrection chapter. And here the Apostle Paul confirms that when you have a risen Jesus, you have a king whose kingdom lasts forever. And we, through his resurrection, are a part of it. We read, But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive, but each in turn. Christ, the firstfruits. Then, when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For he has put everything under his feet. Now, when it says that everything has been put under him, it is clear that this does not include God himself who put everything under Christ. When he has done this, then the Son himself will be made subject to him who put everything under him so that God may be all in all. This is the word of the Lord, the word of God on which we meditate this evening is recorded in Daniel chapter 7. They're reading various verses. As I looked, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow, the hair of his head was white like wool, his throne was flaming with fire, and its wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated, and the books were open. In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. I, Daniel, was troubled in spirit, and the visions that passed through my mind disturbed me. I approached one of those standing there and asked him the meaning of all this. So he told me and gave me 
the interpretation of these things. The four great beasts are four kings that will rise from the earth, but the holy people of the Most High will receive the kingdom and will possess it forever. Yes, forever and ever. This is the word of God. So once upon a time in a small country church, a pastor preached a sermon, a rousing sermon, in which he spoke of the great need there was for workers in the kingdom. And he, in this sermon, encouraged the few people, who, the few young people who were actually there on that Sunday morning to consider devoting their life to the teaching or the preaching ministry. And after the service, after this rousing sermon, after this impassioned appeal, a young lad came up to the pastor and said, Pastor, I have decided that I want to be a preacher. And the pastor beamed with pride because he thought, well, surely this young lad has been influenced by my message. And then the young man went on to say, yeah, I reckon I'll have to go to church anyway. So instead of sit still and listen, I'd rather get up and yell. Well, maybe not get up and yell, but get up and tell. It wouldn't surprise me if a lot of people had that view of what a pastor does. The guy who gets up and tells in front of church, the guy who gets up and speaks, the guy who says, hopefully, what God says in his word, the guy who gets the last word in church. And then when we think about it that way, it gets a little dicey because none of us is terribly easy with that feeling when somebody else gets the last word. It doesn't matter uh, what organization you're in. It doesn't matter whether it's, uh, you know, church or school or the office or the factory or the military or a sports team. You know, somebody has to get the last word and that's important to us. But you know, those last words really are not nearly as important as this situation. When you, as a child of God, you watch the news, you read the headlines, you consider your own life, and you see in the news and in the headlines, there's so much violence and there's so much hatred and there are so many open attacks upon everything that we consider good and godly. And we wonder, how is this going to end? Who's going to get the last word? 
who will have the final say in the events of this world, of my world? The people of God through every era have asked that question. And God doesn't leave us hanging. He gives us an answer in Scripture. And one of the places that that happens is in Daniel chapter 7. And as I mentioned earlier, I'd like to continue this series of Daniel, but from this, this perspective. Since we're in, you know, we're thinking about the end of the world and the last times on this last weekend of the church year, God gives his people an answer through this dream that he gave Daniel. He gives his people an answer to that vexing question, who has the last word? And God's answer to that is, earthly powers will have their say, but the heavenly king will win the day. Now, throughout this series on Daniel that we've been having at St. Marcus, we've kind of thrilled to these amazing, miraculous historical accounts that are contained in the first half of the book, like Three Men in the Fiery Furnace and Daniel in the Lion's Den. And there's an account of God just sending a hand, a disembodied hand to write on the wall in front of King Nebuchadnezzar. Just amazing stuff. Well, today we're going into the second half of the book, and it's not as well known. You know, it doesn't have like the Sunday school stories in it. But it does have just as amazing messages. And they come to us through dreams and visions sent to the prophet Daniel by God for a very important purpose. You know that Daniel was the one chosen by God to be the leader of his Old Testament people while they were a nation in captivity. And by this time, they had been in captivity 60, 70 years. Had God forgotten about them? Maybe he was just moving on from them to somebody else. Even those faithful Jews who knew, they knew that God's promise to send a Savior would materialize through their people, even they were beginning to have their doubts. And so God sent these marvelous visions to Daniel to show his people that no matter how powerful the kingdoms of this world are, there's nothing as powerful as our God. And no matter how bad things looked or no matter how bad they felt, they could be assured that God is more powerful than the greatest kingdoms of this world, even Babylon. In fact, God raises up 
and then knocks down earthly powers, all in accord with his will and to serve his purposes. So how did he communicate that in the dream of Daniel chapter 7? I didn't read the portion of Daniel 7 that contains the dream, but I'll just give a synopsis of it here. In a dream, Daniel saw four beasts, which exerted great strength for a time, and then they were destroyed. And these four beasts did not show up all at the same time. They, they showed up one after another. And in his dream, and, and this part I did read, Daniel asked an angel what these four beasts meant. And the angel said, the four great beasts are four great kingdoms that will rise from the earth. Okay. Now, from our vantage point in history in 2023, we can take a look back, and it's pretty easy to match up the earthly kingdoms that correspond to the four beasts. The four earthly kingdoms that were, as far as most people were concerned, were in control of earthly affairs from the time of Daniel in Babylon to the time of Christ 500-some years later. Beast number one in Daniel's dream was a winged lion. That represented Babylon. In fact, if Daniel just looked out his window, he could see tons of statues of winged lions lining the streets of Babylon. Beast number two was a bear, and it represented the world power that would come next, the one that would topple Babylon, and that was the Persian Empire. Beast number three was a winged leopard, and that represented the next great world power after Persia, the Greek Empire under Alexander the Great. And the fourth and final beast in Daniel's dream was a beast that didn't really look like an animal of any kind, but it was a terrible-looking beast with iron teeth. And it represented the world power that was in control when Jesus came into the world, the Roman Empire. Friends, it's important to get that history right, but way, way, way more important than getting the history lesson right is getting the message right. The message that God has in this dream of Daniel's, and that message is this. God is the Lord of history. That's the God that we have. He is the Lord of history. He's the Lord of the nations. He knows and he controls the rise and the fall of empires before it even happens. 
He sets up earthly powers. He knocks them down again according to his will and for his divine purposes. And just as those four beasts exerted strength for a little while, so also earthly powers, even ones that completely deny God, they will have their day in the sun. They will have their moment. But on God's calendar, it's only a moment. It's only a day. And it ultimately serves his plan. Now, you know what God says about his plans for us. He says, his ways are not our ways, and his thoughts are not our thoughts. And the way I take that and apply it to this message is this. I don't, I don't always understand why the Lord allows this world power to rise up when it's doing so many terrible things, when it's, seem, when it's just speaking blasphemies against God. I don't understand that. But Daniel's answer from his dream would be, it's enough to know that God sets them up and God knocks them down. And he does it all for his purposes. I don't know that I've lived long enough to uh, be able to apply this particular lesson from God about the right raising up and the knocking down of kingdoms, I don't know if I've lived long enough to see it in my own life, but I think maybe I have. You know, I think of what in my childhood and early adult years was called the Iron Curtain. And in those childhood and early adult years, a large portion of Eastern Europe and Northern Asia was completely under the thumb of a godless power that was Christ-denying in every way. But today, in that part of the world, though it is still fraught with sin and frailty and error, but yet... In that part of the world, that particular godless power does not exist anymore. And in its place, you have hundreds of millions of people who have a thirst for the gospel of Jesus Christ, which hasn't been seen for centuries. And I think he sets them up and he knocks them down for his purposes. And I think of our little church body, the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod. And uh, I don't know if this is exactly accurate, but it seems to me that there is more international or foreign mission work being done in the country of Vietnam now than in any other international field we're in. 
And then I go back to my childhood and my early adult years, and I, that would have been the last place on earth that I would have thought would have been so open and so receptive, and we would have been doing so much work spreading the gospel. And I think he sets them up, he knocks them down, all for his purposes. Kingdoms rise, kingdoms fall, but God, God's purposes endure. The one who had the first word at creation has the last word on the kingdoms of this world. And this too was in Daniel's dream. So once those four beasts, the parade of nations, had kind of had their day, this is how God steps in. He's called the Ancient of Days. And listen again to how the scene is described. This is verses 9 and 10. As I looked, thrones were set in place. By the way, those are the thrones for the four beasts. So they got thrones, but the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow. The hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire. Its wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. 10,000 times, 10,000 stood before him. So God is called the Ancient of Days. What do you think of with that name? I mean, that's a a unique name for God, the ancient of days. Doesn't it mean that there never was a time and there never will be a time when God is not? He's eternal. He's always in charge. He's always in control. And when he steps into the room with all these earthly powers, Books were opened. He's keeping track. And those earthly powers that would oppose him, they are going to fall. But there's one kingdom in this vision, one kingdom that never falls. There's one kingdom that lasts. And Daniel saw it in verses 13 and 14. In my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. I think you recognize that king of that kingdom. Jesus took that title for himself, didn't he, in the New Testament? The Son of Man. And every time he did, he was hearkening back to Daniel chapter 7. And 
This king, the son of man, our Lord Jesus, is the one who doesn't rise up from the earth like the four kingdoms. He comes down from the clouds of heaven. Jesus is this heavenly king that Daniel saw in his vision. His is a kingdom and his is a power and his is a glory that will never be toppled. It will never fail. No matter the evil power, it's not more powerful than Jesus. And no matter the rise of evil in the world from our perspective, it will never be able to change one thing that King Jesus has accomplished for us. It cannot topple the kingdom of Christ the King. And there's more. Consider the last verse that we read, verse 18. The holy people of the Most High will receive the kingdom and will possess it forever, yes, forever and ever. King Jesus does not maintain this kingdom for his glory only. He wants to give it to you. He wants to give it to me. Paul wrote to Timothy in some of the last words that Paul wrote in the New Testament, if we endure, we will also reign with him. And I think this is why Martin Luther ended the great battle hymn of the Reformation, A Mighty Fortress, with these words, and do what they will, Hate, steal, hurt, or kill, though all may be gone, our victory is won. The kingdom's ours forever. You realize what that means? When God the Holy Spirit brought you to faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior from sin, he gave you a crown. The Bible calls it the crown of life. And we, right now, it doesn't matter how weak we feel or how weak we are with all of our frailty, all of our brokenness, we are kings and queens. We rule with him. Yours is a kingdom that is given to you by Jesus. Rejoice that you don't have an earthly king. Rejoice that you're not an earthly king or queen, because that never lasts. What lasts is from Jesus. And by faith in Jesus, we possess the one thing that makes his kingdom everlasting and holy. And that's the forgiveness of sins. And that means that there's going to come a day, the last day, when all of the earthly kingdoms are going to crumble and we shall stand. 
we shall stand in the robe of Christ's righteousness. We shall stand with a crown of glory upon our heads. We shall stand to take our place in the heavenly kingdom. And I know this is true because I know what the ultimate, the original king of the hill did. He climbed that hill outside of Jerusalem. And he gave his life to pay for your sins and mine too. And when he did, he brought us in to his kingdom. And there is no power of hell and there is no lie of this world that can change that. Remember that, my friend. When you're not so sure how things are going to end, remember that. When you're not so sure about what's going on in the world, in your world, remember your king. He's the son of man. And once he descended on the clouds, and came into your life. And he will come again. And when he descends on the clouds a second time, he will rule not just in your heart, but he will rule forever and ever with you because he gets the last word. Amen. Dear Lord Jesus, on the cross, your dying spared me. Just and righteous, you declared me. I await the joy prepared me. Amen. This message was a production of St. Marcus Lutheran Church. For similar content, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or our YouTube channel. For more information about how to support our urban gospel ministry in Milwaukee, please visit stmarcus.org.